0: a very merry unbirthday, Kiki.
1: A very merry unbirthday, Tuesday.
0: And a very merry unbirthday to all our listeners.
1: <sighs> Unless it's your birthday when you're listening to this, and then we, well, you you, you lost on that one.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and happy birthday. Why are you listening to us on your birthday? Don't you have better things to do?
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we are going to start this episode in a bit of a downer Uh just a day before we record this episode we got the news of the passing of the legendary Gilbert Gottfried every Disney fan knows him as Iago from a lead, but he's so much more
1: yeah that was a gut punch wasn't it yeah that that tore through our community like wildfire
0: Gilbert Gottfried impressions is like a language in our circle.
1: Yeah, I think everybody's got one in our group. Mm-hmm. That that really that really hit hard. Um, cuz we weren't expecting it. Um when the news broke it it said after a long illness and then we pretty quickly found out that the long illness was a uh, like a genetic condition that just nobody really knew he had but yeah we we just we weren't expecting that
0: yeah 67 Uh, is way you know it's too young to go
1: yeah especially for a guy that was that energetic in his performances
0: yeah the the trademark Gilbert voice was just that a voice it was a character voice that he did and um if you ever are curious of what Gilbert Gottfried's actual voice sounds like, um, I don't recommend it for any other reason, but do try to check out that one season he was on on SNL. I-, I forget what year it was, but it was that one year where they decided to fire the entire cast and just hire professional comedians, and it was- the season was not really that good.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a-, a weird way to go. Um, yeah, it was. it was kind of interesting. He was Kind of the quintessential guy of exactly the opposite of what he was on stage, according to, to everybody in his life that just kind of off stage. He was very chill and quiet and very kind, apparently. Uh, every Everybody who met him talked about his kindness, which is a credit that that seems to to be the thing that is remembered that he was always there looking out for other comedians and wanting to help the the next person coming along so that says a lot about a person yeah really you know like like we talked about with Bob Saget really dark sense of humor which <laughs> which i respect
0: check out his version of the aristocrats joke i mean if you thought know bob saggett one was dirty
1: yeah we we talked about that was with, with bob Saget, but uh i think everybody agrees that gilbert Gottfried hands down wins at that one um
0: uh, yeah and you know the day he passed there was a someone had retweeted a a, a post that he had done a couple of months ago with him, Bob Saget, and Louie Anderson, with his caption is as you know, two of my best friends are gone. Now all three of them are gone.
1: Yeah, and nobody expected that reunion so quickly. Yeah. People talked about how 2016 was, you know, death collecting the musicians, and uh, 2022 seems to be death collecting the comedians.
0: Started with Betty White and kind of didn't stop. <laughs>
1: I would uh appreciate it if it would stop that's
0: someone had said it's like an entire generation of comedians is go is going all at once yeah I- I'm with you I-, I do not like it
1: <laughs> we we could use humor right now thank you please stop taking all the <sighs> but he will he will be missed but it's been it's been nice to see all the tributes and, and video
0: clips of their favorite you know like uh so many of our friends were sharing uh video clips of their favorite jokes that he'd said uh a clip of him on the weird owl show and other other shows he was on
1: yeah bits bits of him with the uh, the muppets yeah have been going around that have been nice when his family posted the announcement they just asked that you keep laughing as as loud as you possibly could, in his memory. So, that's uh, we're gonna try to keep that in mind. Yeah. Not not be too sad, although there will be sadness, but uh, keep remembering to laugh because that's what he would want. We'll miss you, Gilbert. Yeah,
0: Mr. Gilbert.
1: There's absolutely nothing wrong with having an imaginary friend. In fact, I still have an imaginary friend. I call him Gilbert. That's my name. That's my name. Why wouldn't you call me Gilbert? That's my name. My name's Gilbert. Hey, maybe we could say hello to Gilbert right now. Oh, Gilbert. I'm here. I'm right here. I'm right in front of you.
0: So, Kiki, are you ready to see how deep the rabbit hole goes?
1: I think that's owned by a different corporation still. Ah, But that
0: movie does have a lot of references to Alice in Wonderland. I imagine
1: that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hmm? You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to
0: believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.
1: So many things do. Um, It's really impressive how far the reach of Alice in Wonderland really extends. And Disney is not inconsequential in extending that reach. Let's be honest.
0: I mean... Alice in Wonderland obviously came before Disney even existed but it, you know a lot of people's first exposure to the story is this version
1: yeah this this 1951 animated musical telling of the first of the Alice book it does so. have a little
0: bit of the second in, the, in there I think Tweedledum and Tweedledee are actually from the second book
1: yeah but for the, for the most part it's not too bad of a condensation of the the events of the first book mm-hmm. originally though it wasn't intended to be entirely an animated film. Mm. Walt wanted to do it at one of the the hybrid uh like a a Mary Poppins kind of thing where it's mostly uh live action. I'm I'm guessing he intended to get a real child actress and then do animated bits around her as she went further into Wonderland.
0: That's how that's how Walt started with the Alice shorts. Yeah. I mean, for those who don't know, you know, that's how that was Walt's first thing. He did, you know, he had a, a child actor do stuff on, on a sound stage and then animated some wacky characters around her. That was those little Alice shorts, you know, loosely based off Alice in Wonderland. And also the, uh, where we first got introduced to Pete, one of the most recognizable characters in Disney came from those Alice shorts.
1: Yeah, and and this really did start earlier than this, which was, you know... We've, t- we've talked before in, in a few episodes about uh, his fascination with Alice in Wonderland and how he wanted to make this just like he wanted to do Wizard of Oz. You mm-hmm. know, was another one of his fascinations. Um, at one point, he was going to get uh, Mary Pickford who was one of the great silent film stars uh, and make uh feature length films. And instead of doing that, he ended up doing Snow White instead. Uh, so ended up being a little bit better for his career, I think.
0: And the, You know, a a lot of people have made the connection. If you watch, we've mentioned this all the way back when we talked about Pinocchio. In that opening scene of Pinocchio, where you see all of the storybooks, one of those storybooks says Alice in Wonderland. So he was kind of calling his shot all the way back then.
1: Yeah, you know, it would take him another, you know, 20, 30 years before he'd finally be able to put his own particular stamp on it and it did not do so well at the time i I was
0: gonna say that this was not a box office hit this was a flop for lack of a better term it wouldn't be until the 70s that this actually became a hit and uh if you're familiar with the 70s the psychedelic 1970s you'll understand the based on the visuals alone why this connected with people Especially that scene where Alice falls down the rabbit hole and goes through all those different colors.
1: But also, it was the later re-release on television. This was one of the first things they showed on the Disneyland program.
0: Yeah, this was the first Disney animated movie to ever be broadcasted on television.
1: You know, we've talked before about films in the Disney catalog that They didn't do so well in their initial release, but just because Disney kept playing them over and over and over again on TV, they've become hits in our nostalgic brains. And this was one of the first ones.
0: So much so that Alice in Wonderland became centerpiece of Disneyland with not one but two rides. The famous teacup ride, and, of course, the Allison one ride itself.
1: Ah, the teacup ride.
0: I was one of those people that would spin it as fast as possible to see what would happen.
1: And I bet what would happen was not very pleasant, was it? <laughs> Dizzy, I never threw up. Can't
0: say anything about, you know, other people in in, in the cup. <laughs>
1: It's not like you'd been binging on park food all day.
0: Popcorn and churros.
1: <laughs> yeah. The thing about it is, though, is it's, it's one of those things that it's just ubiquitous when you're a kid. I mean, especially if you're our age. It was one of those things that if you're our age, that clamshell VHS was in everybody's home. Oh, yeah. Whether or not it was one of your favorite Disney movies, everybody just seemed to own it. Nobody quite knew how they owned it or why they owned it. You will occasionally meet somebody who it's their favorite Disney movie. Like, I do have a friend who it's their favorite Disney movie, you know. But for most people, it's not their favorite Disney movie. But everybody always seems to have something from it in their house. They always seem to know it. They always seem to own a copy. It's just there. Somehow, Alice in Wonderland in general is just one of those things that ends up in your life no matter what. Like, you you can't escape it.
0: And the Tim Burton movie kind of magnified all of that.
1: Yeah, it's... It's very strange how it just seeps into your life. It's an it's an odd sort of property and book and film and whatever. And I'm I'm fascinated by it and the ways it appears places where you don't expect it. So the cast um We've talked about everyone in this movie
0: because a lot of them were the stock Disney actors of the time. Uh, the major note here is that this is Catherine Beaumont's first major role, playing Alice. She would go on to play Wendy in Peter Pan, which she would play after the, until her retirement, being the longest actor to play a Disney character uninterrupted. So whenever they needed the, the, the character in the park to say something, uh, they would bring Catherine Beaumont into the studio to record some lines, and then the cast member playing Alice or Wendy would just mouth the words, like any of uh, all those other stage shows. Video games, uh, DVD, VHS co- compilations, you name it. Catherine Beaumont was still voicing Alice and Wendy up until about,
1: 2003
0: 2004 Yeah. That's
1: all. She's retired but uh she's still with us as of this recording. A- as of, as of right now, at least she's uh 83 but uh she decided to retire at least from from acting back in 2005.
0: And uh, she was also the reference model for Alice in this movie. So all the stuff that Alice's, you know, every movement that Alice makes in this movie, that's that's Catherine Beaumont.
1: Yeah, and of course the way that that they drew Alice, while taken from a lot of the old sketches and such from some of the older books, the way that. Alice looks in this film has become of course the definitive look for Alice
0: that kinda is the same for a lot of the Disney princesses of that early era
1: well yeah i mean once once Disney kind of puts its stamp on the character, they've got such a a far reach that it's going to be what most people think of for almost any character that Disney touches but while they were drawing from earlier illustrations that, you know, blue with the white apron and the little black band in the hair and the, you know, all of that is is going to be the second you put on that color scheme and all that, people are immediately going to go, oh, that's Alice.
0: There is a famous uh, clip, if you can find it, of Ed Wynn, who plays the Mad Hatter in this movie doing the entire uh, watch scene. There was that wonderful Ed Wynn, having the time of his life inspiring the artists as the voice of the Mad Hatter.
1: Butter!
0: Butter, oh, thank you, butter. <laughs> yes, that's fine. Oh, this is the very best butter. What are you talking about? Tea! Oh, I never thought of tea, of course. And if you can find it and you can watch it, it's like hilarious. It's still hilarious the way he's doing it in real life, and they just take that entire thing he did and they put that in the film. Alice's sister clearly looks. Maybe it's me, but just looks rotoscoped. Just in her, her her movements. Maybe it's me.
1: Yeah, there there is a little bit of that feel. I guess maybe it's because the sister doesn't move very much. You know, she mostly just sits there against the tree and reads.
0: The, this looks like they just, as I said, you know, they took that physical acting source and they just drew over it at least that's what it looked like to me just the way she moved which is not usually what disney does
1: maybe maybe they spent so much on the animation for the rest of the stuff that they went cheaper on that one possibly yeah but a lot yeah a lot of the the actors in here like you said we've talked about basically every single member of this cast we've got coming back we've got Edwin, we've got Sterling Holloway back. We've got Verna Felton. Uh, who else is in this? Uh, Marnie Nixon is back. We got the Melman, of course. Pinto Colvig, Lucille Bliss has come back for this one. This whole cast is just a who's who of who was working at Disney at the time. It's very interesting to hear all of the various. Disney regulars coming back for this one after we've heard them in their other parts. And just because it's, it's like a warm blanket, you know, you're like, oh, we're, we're back in the, in the happy place again, you know, (laughs) so it's, it's nice to hear, to hear some of these voices again, the, that classic Disney sound. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked
0: about this with a lot of the classic Disney movies, in that there really isn't an overarching plot in that or it in that there's most this is mostly a collection of shorts that played one after the other. Which is pretty much the book.
1: Yeah, in this one, that is the the book. If you've read Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, it is her careening from these little vignettes from one to the other, which is set up very nicely by our opening bit. It is, you know, she's learning the the history of England. <laughs> uh, she's getting her little history lesson. And, and,
0: like, and like every child, it's boring. Which, Maybe not for you. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, it's not to me, because I, I recognize what she's being taught at that at that moment. I'm like, oh, I recognize that history lesson. I was just watching a TV show about that just the other day. um, And it wasn't boring at all. It was very, very bloody and interesting. The thing is, is that the way her sister's teaching it is very boring, though. So I feel for Alice, I'm like... <laughs> it's
0: just like... Even, I don't even think the sister is interested in this lesson. She says, well, this has happened, and this happened, and then this happened, and Alice is just like, I'm going to play with my cat.
1: Yeah. um, The cat is very cute, though, Dinah. The cat. Dinah. But she starts dozing off and having her little daydreams and possibly... Yeah, we actually-
0: we see her laying down in, in the bed of flowers, which I assume is where she falls asleep and this whole thing starts.
1: Yeah, it it has one of those, does she see the rabbit before she falls asleep? Or, you know, the, the end of the movie suggests that she's fallen asleep and all of this is a dream. Wizard of Oz ending. <laughs> yeah. She has her little, her little song about, if I had the, if I, ruled the world everything would be backwards and all the animals would wear clothes and you could speak English and everybody would say everything things of, things, things yeah. a
0: child would think about you know
1: yeah it's they, they used the word nonsense over and over again which was also Lewis Carroll's word for it he wanted to write pleasant nonsense because he was he was writing in the Victorian era in which well I mean think of everything you think of about the Victorians it's not that it's it's very much stories for children at the time were meant to be moralistic and you know listen my child and do what is right and keep to your lessons and always be quiet and mind your manners and blah, blah, blah. Boring, boring, boring. And so Lewis Carroll wanted to write the whimsy and, you know, here's a rabbit in a waistcoat and up is down and black is white and we paint the roses and we, you know.
0: yeah. Alice kind of gets her wish. She lives in a world that is exactly like her imagination. And it drives her mad, really. Not mad as in crazy, but mad as in angry.
1: I I guess if there's a moral to Alice in Wonderland, it's that things should have some rules. And you need a little bit of structure. Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) a, A little bit of whimsy is nice, but... Things need to make sense sometimes, I guess, you know. At at some point. Yeah. This whole thing is, it's baby's first surrealism. And I think, again, that's,
0: I think that's why this got so popular in the 70s.
1: Yeah, but I think the reason why, hmm, I don't know, are we, are we, are we sharing things that will get us canceled today? Uh, I think the reason why this is not as popular with me is because it's such a shallow version of that.
0: The sanitized Disney version? I mean, let's be real well, about even,
1: that. E- yeah, even the book is like that, because it is written for children. Hmm. So it really is like baby's first version of that. It's not really a mind trip. It's... Aww, wouldn't it be cute if you put clothes on a cat? Isn't that adorable? That's not how cats are supposed to be. And if they said, instead of saying meow,
0: they said, hi, how are you doing?
1: Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting if flowers sang to you? Like, you know, it's like... That's not how normal people act, but it's the yeah. it's a, it is a child's brain. Well, I don't know. It's how sensible adults think children act. Like have you ever met a child? They're creepy.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, we'll go with it's what adults think children think like.
1: Yeah, it's it's what it's what adults think child whimsy and nonsense is like it's not like the like go go read some of the things on the internet where where parents or you know for those of you who are parents and actually have children you know the sort of bizarre creepy stuff your children say to you <laughs> but like go go read some of the stuff that like children actually come up with that that stuff will give you nightmares. This is the sanitized version of that. You know, this is the mind of a child as seen through the mind of an adult who's trying to remember what it's like to be a child. And You know, that's why I guess Alice in Wonderland never really connected with me. Because I guess I remember what it's like to be a child a little bit more keenly than a lot of people do and I remember how bizarre that really is and how not whimsical and not sanitized and not you know I think I think adults sometimes put a a very bizarre memory filter over what it was like to be a child and that's where we get nostalgia from
0: the, the path that never existed, that but you think it existed. Somehow. Yeah,
1: and then, like, oh, was it, weren't things so much easier then? And it's like, well, it was easier because you didn't have, like... Bills to pay. Uh, bills to pay and a job. So, like, yeah, I'd like to go back to that. Yeah, could we please remove bill paying from the equation? Other than that, be, being a child wasn't, you know, butterflies and rainbows for for most people. You just forgot about it, you know? Yeah. Um so when when I look at stuff like Alice in Wonderland, I'm like it's a weird nostalgia trip that adults are having mixed with a very shallow surrealism. Honestly, I think that as much as I'm not, like, super into the Tim Burton version, I think the bizarre Tim Burton version is a little more honest. I mean, that's more of his style. But but to me, it connects a little more because I'm like, yeah, no, that feels a little bit more realistic, I guess, you know? Mm. Like, that's what nonsense and madness really feels like and kind dreams of, yeah, like if of, she's really dreaming
0: it's also trying to have this little girl's way of imagining adults because the adult I mean a lot of these characters are supposed to represent adults in some way like the caterpillar or stuff like that you know it's what a child would you know this doesn't make sense but this adult will say it. I mean a lot of the stuff that get that got cut also plays into that. Like, uh, the mock turtle and the griffin, the lion and the unicorn, those parts of the story. I would say mostly it would be the three things people remember most of this story, which is the caterpillar, the mad tea party, and the queen.
1: Yeah. Because I think that some of the stuff that got left in is not portrayed quite as good like i don't really like their version of the walrus and the carpenter yeah i mean i, I think it goes by too quickly for it, the story to really hit i and i like the story of the walrus and the carpenter just in general
0: but this one does have the twist of the walrus eating all of the oysters as opposed to the two of them together eating the oysters
1: which I also don't like, because I think it's the blending of the two that is good.
0: I guess they wanted to have a comedic ending by having the carpenter go after the walrus. Yeah. Or to show just how much of a, you know, Richard the walrus is in this story. Yeah. Because this whole thing is the carpenter's idea. He sees the oysters and say, hey let's let's just trick these oysters and then we'll eat them but it's the walrus that says yeah i'm gonna eat all the oysters myself i mean we almost had stan freeberg doing the jabberwalk poem that was part that was gonna be in this movie and they cut it
1: i i would have loved to have seen that i mean we've we've talked about our love of sam freeberg before uh, on there the show. About... There's a recording
0: of that. It's very grainy, and it's not in good quality. Beware the Jab, Jab, Jabberwock. The Jub jump and the Bandersnatch. All oh, manxsome
1: and so frumious with a big claws catch. Beware the Jab, Jab, Jabberwock. That purple's in the told wood.
0: But you know, like I said it's what they cut out versus what they left in of the of the stories. What they left in was fine. You know, fine. It's you know, they blended what they consider to be the best of both books into this movie.
1: Yeah. But there there are other things that are that just go by too quickly. You know, I think the Walrus and the Carpenter. Goes by too quickly. I think the caucus race. Goes by too quickly. Oh yeah. definitely For it to. To really. Have any impact. Some things. Honestly. As beautifully animated. As the. The bit with the flowers is. I would have given that up for. Longer bits of other things.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: like bringing back the Stan Friedberg, I would have rather had that than the flowers. I, I think that the reason everybody likes the. The tea party scene is it's probably the best sequence in the film. And the unbirthday song. The unbirthday song is very good possibly the best song in the film.
0: I believe it was one of the first songs written for the movie. Because they went through several songwriters and the first songwriters that they had brought in, they wrote a couple of songs for the movie. And the only song that they used was the young birthday song. And then they had other writers come in and do other songs. Some of them would get recite. Some of the cut songs would get recycled into other films. Uh, I believe I'm trying to remember. Yep. There was a, supposed to be a song sung by Alice called Beyond the Laughing Sky, which got replaced with A World of My Own. Uh, the melody would be reused for the song The Second Star to Write in Peter Pan.
1: Why does the whispering wind sound like a lullaby? Is that the magic music? second star to the right shines in the night for you to tell you that the dreams you plan really can come through it is very um interesting to me the progression of of some of the things I like the way that they animated a lot of the stuff, especially her coming across various signs. Yeah. Uh when when she comes across to point her different ways. I, I like when she comes across the the one tree that it's just cut signs all over it pointing in different directions. I like the dog that kind of looks like Pluto that has a brush for a head and a brush for a tail that's erasing the path. Some of the designs are very inventive.
0: The bird that's made of a birdcage. Yeah. The bird that's a pair of glasses, the one bird that's a mirror, the one bird with the shovel head and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And of course, everybody loves Edwin's portrayal of the Mad Hatter which I think is possibly definitive
0: I I I have at um years ago I had met some kids who were doing a school play version of Alice in Wonderland and one of the kids saying that they were going to do the Mad Hatter said well well which version of the Mad Hatter are you going for are you going for Edwin? Are you going for Johnny Depp? Or are you going to do your own thing? He said, "Got to do Edwin. He is the cl- he is the the, you know, the classic uh Mad Hatter." He said, "Okay." So I think for a lot of people, you know, the Edwin Mad Hatter is the quintessential Mad Hatter, with all due respect to Johnny Depp.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, and it's just Edwin's voice. I mean, if you can do an Edwin impression, you can do the Mad Hatter.
1: It's so fascinating the way that they set up that scene and them going around the table and just dragging her around the table and the the way she doesn't know any of the rules, if there are any rules. Fresh cup, fresh cup. I haven't even
0: had a first cup yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This Um, scene was actually the first scene I've ever seen of this movie because, uh, as we've said, I grew up with the Disney Channel. And they would have these uh, compilation shows of various Disney shorts. And sometimes they would have entire scenes from the early Disney movies. And in in the one compilation show, they would have the entire Mad Tea Party scene. So... Before I even saw this movie, I saw that one scene as part of these animation compilation shows on the Disney Channel.
1: but I love how the Tea Party scene is such a you know it it it's kind of lost now, I think, because we don't so much have these sort of events anymore but these the idea of the Victorian Tea Party and all of the rules of etiquette that went along with it and how bizarre and nonsensical those would have seemed to a young child of what you could and couldn't do and when and you know, and there were a lot of complex social rules, especially in Victorian England, that did probably start for some reason or another. but when you're trying to explain them to a child of like you know why do you sit here, why do you have to?" Hold your cup in a certain way, or why can you only drink at this certain time, or you know, say these certain things, or speak now, or be silent then, or you know, it does seem like madness. So, I always loved the idea of this tea party with completely illogical rules where. These characters just keep dragging this poor child around. This whole scene is my, my absolute favorite. And there's so many cool little bits of animation. I love, I think my favorite little bit of animation is when the, the March Hare is pouring tea for himself. And he's pouring it and then he uses his ears as like a scissors to cut they off cut- the flow of tea. Yeah. And it's such a bizarre little bit of animation, but it's so perfect for that moment. You know, and then there's the moment where he says, Oh, a new cup of tea. And then he pours the tea out. And the first thing it pours out is a saucer from the teapot, which he grabs. And then it pours out a cup that lands on the saucer. And then it pours tea into the cup. And it's another just brilliant bit of animation. I always like the half cup part where he slices
0: a cup in half.
1: And yeah, was, he it, slices it in half vertically and then pours tea in, which just somehow stays within the confines of that cup. You a half that- a cup of, just a half a cup of tea, please. Oh,
0: you know, someone at Disney doing his animation said, "Okay, I need a flat glass surface so I can see how water looks up against it, and then I'll animate it."
1: Yeah, it's it it really is just there are some beautiful bits of of animation that are my favorite bits, and they're all in that one scene. So uh, that really is the is again. It,
0: I don't know how well it was aged, but to me, it's still one of my favorite parts is the fireworks after the um birthday song, where Alice blows the candle out, and then the 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 cake turns into fireworks.
1: That that is a neat little effect as well. Yeah, I love the the bit with the the pocket watch, the the attempting to repairs a pocket watch. All oh, there's. And- there's yeah. wheels in here. We've got, and then he removes the gears. You know, it it's incredible that that's that that comes from Edwin because it's just so good in the context. And them calming the dormouse down with jam on his nose. Yeah. <laughs> but I I love the the little bits of you know Alice trying to figure out exactly how much of this mushroom do I eat to get myself the right size
0: as as someone once said one side makes you larger and the other side makes you small and the ones that your mother gives you doesn't do anything at all
1: go ask Alice when she's ten feet tall And I do like the the bird in that scene going nuts over to why do I lay all these eggs just for a serpent to come along.
0: Yeah, this giant person.
1: Serpent! Serpent! Yeah. We get that climax of the, the film in which Alice runs afoul of the Queen of Hearts. Although in this film, they remove the tart. Yeah, the
0: knave of heart is not in this version of the story.
1: Yeah, they because... take they take out that the trial is is over the the stealing of the tarts. And the Queen they of Hearts just...
0: had the tarts, yeah. The knave of heart stole the tarts and took them clean away.
1: Yeah. Instead, it's just about the painting of the roses. Which is an interesting choice. Well, the punishment for the painting of the
0: roses is to the cards. She doesn't punish Alice yet. Because she sees, oh, it's a little girl. Uh, I can have a croquet match with this little girl. It is just the fact that Alice seems to be acting up, even though it's a lot of the the Cheshire Cat's influence.
1: Yeah, the Cheshire Cat keeps showing up and taunting alice and when alice responds the queen thinks that she is being mocked by alice
0: which leads to the trial
1: which yeah which leads to the trial for mockery of the queen and i love the king yeah.
0: our little small person king you know like the introducing her royal highness the queen of hearts and the king <laughs> <laughs> Imperial highness. Her Grace, Her Excellency, Her Royal Majesty,
1: the Queen of Hearts, and the King. I don't know why, but the the joke of here are all these great people, and then that one is always one of my favorite jokes. It 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 works so much. It works so great, no matter how it is presented, like, I love it so much in Hamilton, you know, (laughs) Angelica, Eliza, and Peggy, you know, it's like...
0: Stewie, (laughs) and Chris, (laughs) and Meg.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I always love that there's, like, you know, the great and powerful, and that guy, you know, it's (laughs) like... For some reason the the that joke always makes me laugh no matter what context it's in and I I don't know why. Um so it 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 makes me laugh here. I guess maybe because I'm a herald and I always want to do that, I always want to pick out like the one person in the court to just be like and also him. <laughs> yeah like. <laughs> <laughs> so I just love, like, the, like, it's the Queen of Hearts, everybody, uh, nuts! And then the king.
0: But the king but, seems to have some influence over his wife. He's like, hey, can we just have
1: a little trial? Can we call this one witness, you know, please? Yeah, it's, it's, just... it's not that the Queen of Hearts seems to feel that way about the king. It's that everybody else does. Yeah. Um,
0: Because she's patting him on the head that, okay... For you, I'll do this,
1: yeah, I like that that, and of course, this is from the book, so but I love the the idea of and anyone over a mile tall has to leave the courtroom being a rule <laughs> when she uses the the mushrooms to to grow and starts you know, m- mouthing off again when she's like, and another thing! And I don't like any of you! And then, of course, she starts to shrink and she's like, oh... Oops. We we get back to... I like how she's
0: framed at the end because it's the Mad Hatter and the March Hare who do the jam and they give her the jar. It's the king that smashes the queen over the head with the hammer and then he gives it to Alice. <laughs> Like yeah. Alice didn't do mu I mean all Alice did was kind of stink at croquet and that was by design because they intentionally made her lose.
1: The thing is, is that this is really the the crux of the whole story in in the book as as well as the film. This is the point where she really turns on the world, is like, I I want things to makes sense and i want there to be some sort of rules there to for protection.
0: You know, she's just tired of the whole silly thing, you know. She even says i want to go home. I'm I'm tired of this. And but... i do like how everything it kind of turns back everything that's happened in the in the movie so far. We go back through the the caucus race. We go back through the the tea party. We go back through Uh, the caterpillar who is now a butterfly and going through the uh, going back to the to the queen as the queen and her her, every single character she's met in this movie so far chasing after her
1: she finally gets back to that door and she can see herself beyond and there i am sleeping with my cat and my sister and i just want to be there wake up alice please wake
0: up alice And I do like the whole gag of the door. Like, the door was locked the entire time. Which, if you watch this movie on Disney+, Plus, what's the picture you see? Alice opening the door, which she never does in this movie.
1: Yeah. But it's it's that bit of, like, you know... It's that very English moment of, like, okay, everything's fine, let's go have some tea.
0: Alice is kind of... Had multiple different iterations within Disney themselves. In the 90s, there uh, there was a show called Adventures in Wonderland, which was a sort of an Alice in Wonderland in the in the modern day of the of the 90s, where this 90s era Alice would go to Wonderland once a week, and have fun. And since this was a children's educational show, learn a lesson.
1: Your and it's an adventure in We've come a long way from Lewis Carroll going, I really don't like all these didactic Victorian books. Let me write some nonsense to here we are in the 90s going, we don't like all this nonsense. Let's make a didactic children's show. I mean, there
0: was still the nonsense, but there was a moral lesson to be learned at the end of each episode that often tied into whatever happened to Alice at school that day. And now in 2022, there is a new animated series called Alice's Wonderland Bakery. The great-granddaughter of the original Alice, also named Alice, who also looks like Alice and also dressed like Alice, runs a bakery in Wonderland. And I assume also learns lessons every week.
1: Well, what's the point if you don't learn a lesson, I suppose?
0: This is a Disney Junior show for preschoolers. Gotta teach them something. But yeah, so the, the, the popularity of... Alice as a character, and Wonderland as a world, still is uh, still is part of the Disney uh, pantheon, as it were. And of course, like every other Disney character, Disney fairy tale character, uh, Alice shows up in Once Upon a Time
1: i've never watched once upon a time so i couldn't tell you i never i never made it far enough into the show to to see her appearance in once upon a time but i i did i did watch the first part of that i just uh never made it that far but uh you know of course we've we've talked about the the tim burton uh reimaginings
0: yeah, yeah. you know they got two movies out of that <laughs>
1: Which uh, weren't so much about Alice, I think, as they were about the Mad Hatter. I mean, Tim Burton in
0: that era had a lot of things. I'm going to reimagine this children's story about a character played by Johnny Depp.
1: Which, I mean, you know, it's a choice.
0: We have Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Let's make it about the backstory of Willy Wonka. Alice in Wonderland. Let's make it about the backstory of the Mad Hatter. So let's ask the question. Does Alice in Wonderland 1951 have the magic Kiki?
1: Uh a scene here or there does, but honestly, this has never been one of my favorite Disney films, and I'm not sure it ever will be. So it... I mean, I respect it. This is a difficult one for me to to answer. I respect it if you think it has the magic. How about that? Sure. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put
0: magic. I'm gonna respect the it is it, it, it. I'm going to respect it as a classic Disney movie. I do love the the uh, the animation in this movie. It, a lot of it holds up. Tea party scene is good. Yeah, I said, my favorite scene is a tea party scene, and, you know, mostly because it was the very first thing of this movie I ever saw. Maybe one day we'll get to one of those other adaptations.
1: So, yeah, it's just, Alice in Wonderland is not my thing. It's never going to be my thing. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But I but I respect it if if you love it and uh, I, I I want you to have fun with it and Yeah.
0: So yeah, so let's move on to next week. It is time, Kiki. It is time, it is time to once again dive into the Disney afternoon. It's been a while. I love me some Disney afternoon. And since this is also having an upcoming movie remake, we're going into Chippendale Rescue Rangers.
1: I am all for that. I I remember loving Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and I want to go back to that.
0: Uh, so come back next week as we talk about Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic, Twitter at Rewatch the Magic, and of course, new episodes every week at Rewatching the Magic. Podbean. dot com. Remember, the
1: magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.